Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 663 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, Greg is here. He is the father of a child with type 1 diabetes, and today we're going to talk about his experience as well as his child's in this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. It's about this time um, in the episode when I've... What do I want to tell you? So I've recorded this whole thing. I've gone back, put an edit on it, taken out like weird noises, tried to make it as easy for you to hear as possible, etc. And then I put these bumpers on and I record the ads. After all of that, for some reason, I have the worst time trying to make a synopsis about the episode. At the end, I just think like, I had such a good time talking to Greg. And then when I go to tell you about it, it almost comes out, Greg's on the show. You're going to love it. I don't know. I'm not good at the synopsis part. Please remember while you're thinking about that, that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash. When you go to my link, you can find out if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. That link is omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Did you hear my voice just break when I said forward slash? I was like, forward slash. It's omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored today by Touched by Type 1. Head over to touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. Well, I'm Greg. Uh, I'll try to be short. I'm, I was born in France, so I want to apologize for my accent. I mostly learned English uh, in English pubs uh, back, back then when I was in Europe. I've been living uh, for 24 years in Quebec. and. Um, uh, Initially, I was in Montreal. I was working as a project manager, mostly internationally. And uh, for 14 years, I've been moving east of Quebec. And um, where I own a B&B, I'm a school bus driver, I'm a city counselor, and I kind of write books. And um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I've got three children. How old are they? Uh, how old are the kids? Uh, my son is 18, and I've got two daughters who's, who are uh, 16 and 11. And uh, my 16 years old, my 16 years old was diagnosed with uh, type 1 last December 2020. Okay. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. There's, <laughs> most people aren't here for reasons that are much different than that. So you're fitting right in. It's perfect. Uh, <laughs> I guess. How old was how old was she when she was diagnosed? She was fifteen. She was fifteen. Okay, um, and it's been well. Geez, it's coming up on a year, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah, getting closer. Uh, it wasn't fun uh, having that through COVID and all, all that. You know, being in the hospital and all. Right. So. Well, so how did the um? How did you guys realize that she needed to go to the hospital? 
Well, we we kind of found it by chance, really. It well, it was about to be discovered anyway, but um, there were signs. I mean, it, it's stories you've heard thousands of times. Um, she had lost weight, but we didn't really notice because um, you know it was November, December. Dress <laughs> was where clothes. We live in Quebec, you know. It's right. cold, so. So we didn't really notice that. I did at some point um, because she was wearing leggings. And uh, so we could see her bones. But then, you know, she's 15. So I just thought that, you know, she's just growing. And uh, this is what happens. We're all thin in the family. So then she was drinking a lot. And we actually called. uh, We have a number here. That's eight one one, which is uh, like uh, information, health information, and you you get to talk to um, nurses actually, and uh, you know when when you say people don't know enough about type one and, and all that, I mean we talk to the nurse and on the phone, and um, she. We just told her that my daughter is always thirsty, and she—I mean, she she used to not drink water a lot, and then nothing seems to to change it. She yeah. she she was always thirsty, and we were told that no, it's okay. She can drink all what what she wants. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Right. And then uh, the third symptom that's common is that she was wetting her bed. But do you think a 15 years old would actually tell her parents that that's happening? So that we found out afterwards. Oh, she kept, so, she kept that to herself? Yeah, she yeah. kept that to herself. Okay. And, and then um, we went to the doctor for something else. She had a rash on her chest. So we went to the doctor for that and talking with the doctor, you know, they asked all sorts of questions. And uh, one of them was, uh, when you pee, does it hurt? And she said, yes. So they sent her to uh, have um, a urine test. And that's where the doctor called me and said, well, we found sugar in, um, in her urine. So they sent her having a blood test. And then the doctor called me, and that's when they told us, you know, you need to go to the ER and uh, pack a few things, and she'd probably stay there. At, so, that, at that point, Greg, did they give you any indication of what that was, or did you have an understanding? Yeah, she, she told me about diabetes. I, I didn't know anything about it, obviously, right. like most people. And um, so we went to the ER. That's the first time I waited the least <laughs> at the ER. I mean, we arrived there and even though there was COVID and all the stuff and it's scary, you know, they were plastic all over the place. And uh, and um, so we went through, we saw a nurse and then some doctor came from some door and said, well, <laughs> Leah, that's her name. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't even have time to to get to sit in the waiting room. So they, they had her 
tested on, on a finger and uh, it just said high. Mm-hmm. Her blood sugar was 37. That's millimoles per whatever. Let me get my conversion uh, chart. I forgot to get that out. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I got that for you. Thank you. Uh, if you multiply by 18, it's actually 666. Wow. Which <laughs> is kind of funny. She, so, so she, she had the devil's blood sugar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and her A1C, well, we found out afterwards, was a 14 something. Okay. So, so she was in the ER and then in intensive care for like 24 hours um getting on insulin and all that and uh, you know you know the doctors sometimes they 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 talk about patients like they're not there Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean the girl is 15 and they were all talking about her saying how it's amazing that she's not in a coma (laughs) you know (laughs) she's actually awake and uh I mean, you've heard probably a worse figure than that, but still, it's. it's Was that a concern? Was that a concern? I mean, obviously, you didn't like that being said in front of her, but did it bother her? Do you think? I think she didn't really understand what's what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, she knew it was kind of serious, but she really didn't know as much as we. Well, we kind of did know that our life was changing right now yeah um she wasn't obviously she wasn't happy to be there um because she felt okay i mean she didn't know it, it was just numbers for her that moment so she i don't know she she, she was scared kind of because mm-hmm. uh because it was scary, and especially because COVID. I mean, at some point, some old guy came and could hardly breathe. So she she wasn't. It's never fun to be in the hospital, and she's never experienced it. But as I said, she had no. Well, she had some symptoms, but I mean, she, she was normal. Right. So probably a few days, weeks later, she would have been in a coma, and we would have ended up there but uh as i said we we kind of discovered discovered it by chance and uh, well that's what happened how, how did so, can i ask how covid impacted the the experience was it different it just makes it even more scary as i said being in the hospital and you know there's plastic everywhere there's it's you well, I have a wife, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, we could it just could be one of us at the same time being with her, right? So, when uh, in the winter we only have one car, so we, you know, I came back home, had to leave my daughter alone for a while so my wife could go and see her and, and back and forth yeah. like this. And um, so she she went to ICU, then she went to pediatrics, and uh, at some point, well, we, we were both back home because we didn't know what we could do for her over there. I mean, when she 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 had good care, and um, and she called me. It was like midnight, 
and uh, she said, I don't feel good. Uh, she, she she was like, I don't know how to say that, but she she, she just felt bad, and it, it was kind of weird because uh, I said, well, call call the nurse. You have a button there. And she said, well, I don't want to bother them. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're here for that, you yeah, know. They're sitting, <laughs> That's their they're sitting, job. Yeah, they're sitting around waiting for you to need something. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah. so I, I just went there and spent the night with her. And um, so I, it's, it's not fun when it happens. And then you learn you have to live with it. And uh, that's what we've been doing for the like last, I don't know, nine months. Right. And luckily, a couple of weeks after, well, pretty soon after diagnosis, um, well, like everybody else, you know, I went on Facebook groups and all that. And one person told me about the podcast. And, um, well, at first I looked at it and it was, 500 episodes or something it's it's a lot <laughs> yeah so it took me another week to before um actually starting listening and then ever since then i've been addicted <laughs> oh i'm glad that's perfect that's what we need we need people addicted and listening um <laughs> yeah well and that's how i mean it, you know seriously it has changed the whole thing and we, we're lucky we have we have a team as great you know, they, they're quite young you know old school but but still i mean they have protocols and all that and you know i remember talking to the nurse at some point and saying you know i've been listening to this podcast and you know uh, ever since then we have started um pre bodicing mm-hmm. And say, oh, yeah, yeah, it works for some people. Well, <laughs> I think insulin works pretty much the same. Well, not the same, but I mean, it doesn't work instantly for anyone. Right. That's for sure. So, so it, you know, it's still kind of weird. It's, well, they have those protocols to follow. And uh, so thanks to you, we got a Dexcom quickly because otherwise you know they make you wait and, uh, we're still mgi we should have a pump by the end of the year mm-hmm. and um but i think you've said that before that you know get a cgm first that's i mean if you and only, I, I agree with that yeah if you only let me get one thing i would def- definitely um definitely do that exactly because yeah that way you 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 know what happens you learn and um i know it's yeah it, i i i couldn't go back to to, to without it breaking your fingers i mean we do sometimes but uh but the, the next come actually you, you know what's going on you you know what yeah. food how food impacts you you or all the other things that impact you. Right. So well, let me ask you a couple of questions. So it sounds like you're in a part of Canada where they are using modern fast acting insulin. So I'm happy about that. They didn't try to put her on regular and MPH or anything like that. 
No, okay. we have uh, lenses for uh, slow acting and uh, human mm-hmm. Um, How did she handle this, the, the news of the diabetes and the transition? Well, there's been several steps, I think. Initially, well, she had to accept it and realize that, you know, initially she had to break her fingers and uh, her shots, and she still gives her herself shots. Um, for the first few months, and, and that's where it's probably different from you, because our daughters are pretty much the same age, mm-hmm. and um, but your daughter was diagnosed very young. So pretty much she, she's lived with it for her, her whole life. Right. Um, my daughter was diagnosed when she was a teenager and suddenly her life changes. So initially she told us, well, I don't want to learn about it. I don't want to, um, get involved that much i'll do whatever you tell me to do i'll inject whatever you tell me to inject and uh but no i don't want to read books i don't want to you just tell me what i need to do right eventually that changed to it's okay i know everything about diabetes leave me alone <laughs> uh, it only took her a few months to learn everything about diabetes that's perfect <laughs> yeah, well, i'm not sure she has but you, you know how that is I mean, yeah and she doesn't want you to, i mean it, she's looking for you guys yeah. not to be as involved with it yeah well well it has been a strategy of mine to be a pain in the ass sorry you leave that out um because i wanted her to learn about it because eventually she'll have to deal with it and i mean she's already 16 and that's gonna be pretty soon that she'll be pretty much on, on her own with it so i i'm i think those strategies you you'll agree with i mean i actually bribed her to listen to the podcast i mean i paid her to <laughs> listen her episode maybe she makes more money from the podcast than you do you, you, you think it's possible that there are people out there who are who are financially benefiting from the podcast better than i am <laughs> There isn't much about having diabetes that's easy. When you need insulin, there's extra work. But there's no reason for that extra work to be difficult. It should be friendly, easy, helpful. When you use a device, you should feel that way towards it. It should feel like it's helping you, that it's a benefit, that it's not detracting but adding, that it is not taking more time but helping you create more time. And the Omnipod Dash can do that for you. How's it gonna do that? Well, let me tell you from my experience. First of all, there's no tubing, and that takes away a lot of the hassle. You're not getting caught on doorknobs or having to snake tubing through your clothing or hiding it in your outfit. The Omnipod is also able to go in the bath with you or the shower or the swimming pool or a lake or a river or the ocean. Basically, I'm saying water. Point is, you go in water more frequently than you think. People who are wearing a tubed pump have to take their pump off to do that. 
That means they have to remember to put it back on again. And you might be thinking, oh, Scott, well, that's super simple. Except one of the more common complaints I hear about tubed pumps is, in fact, that people forget to put them back on when they have to disconnect, not just for swimming or a shower, but for their sports, activities, weightlifting, and exercise. The Omnipod never has to come off, and so you can't forget to put it back on. On top of all this, again, the Omnipod is tubeless, but it's also compact, easy to use, and it might take, I mean, Arden's been using an Omnipod now for a very long time, a really, really long time, since she was four years old. But I'm telling you that I can personally change an Omnipod in two minutes. I am not over-exaggerating. I mean, if, if it didn't have to prime, I could probably get it done in a minute. It's um, it's not hard to do. It's easy. It's all right there. Bickety-bam, before you know it, that thing's on. Self-inserting, by the way. And on its way. What do I mean by that? You stick the pod on, you push the button, it inserts itself. That's self-inserting. You, you probably figured that out when I said self-inserting. But the point is, is you don't have to push a button or anything, uh, you know, anything mechanical. You just push a button right on your personal diabetes manager, right on the PDM, and it just happens on its own. This is really worth your time. Head over to Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox and see if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. I mean, in 30 days, you're going to know if the dash is right for you. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Two quick last things. Please don't forget to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey. It supports people living with type 1 diabetes and it supports me, the podcast. It will take you fewer than 10 minutes. The questions are not difficult. It's completely HIPAA compliant. It is absolutely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wow, it's a word I use five times a week when I'm doing these, and it means anonymous. It's absolutely anonymous. Here we go, kids. The brain is slipping. Uh, and it honestly helps people living with type 1 diabetes. So it's t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Fill out the survey. Join the registry. You're going to be helping people. You need to be a U.S. resident who has type 1 or whose child has type 1. And don't forget to check out touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. The links to these sponsors and all the sponsors are available right there in your podcast player, right in the show notes, and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I think there's a little boy in Montana who's got a chainsaw off the whole thing, so it's not bad. Oh, yeah. I heard that one. Oh, she got, it's not even interesting. She got Roblox, whatever it is, from some game. Oh, no from, kidding. Well, listen, it, do, do you think it helped her? Or did she just do it for the, for the oh, Yeah, she did. It did. It oh, did. good. good. And she, she, she's really become aggressive. Well, bold mm-hmm. with insulin. She, 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 she's doing good, actually. Sometimes, well, it doesn't work the way you expect it to work. So. Right. And one of the issues we've had that she she's kind of still kind of embarrassed at school. I mean, she she wants to be good at school, so you know she'll check even though she's got an XCOM, she'll only check when not not during the the, the course. You know, she when when there's a break, that's when she she will check. So 
sometimes she won't catch it early enough, you know, when it goes up or whatever, when it goes down, obviously she, she doesn't have the choice, but um, sometimes she, she just lets her sugar go up until she gets a break and then she checks and, but, but she's really doing good. It's yeah. just, I mean, as I said, her A1C at diagnosis was like 14.7 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, six months later, she's about, she was about 5.8. And wow. I don't know, we, we're going to have an appointment soon check, but it's probably going to be around that. Do you think she's so, in a honeymoon situation or do you, or is that not happening? No, I don't think, well, I, I haven't noticed honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, she, I don't know what the normal range of uh, quantity of insulin is supposed to be for 16 years old. She's having like maybe 17 units of lentils. And, uh, well, she eats a lot of carbs. So probably around 10, 15, 20 units per meal. So how much does she weigh? Do you know about? Oh my God. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, um, 15 kilograms, probably hundred pounds. About 100 I, pounds. I think, it, well, it sounds like she's right around there. I mean, she's basically, if she was on a pump, her basal rate would be around 0.7 an hour. Um, mm-hmm. and if she's around a hundred pounds, that seems reasonable to me. Uh, hopefully there is, there's no honeymoon happening and, and you are getting these successes out of your effort and not being helped a little bit. Um, cause that'd be great news. And if not, I mean, if, if, you know, one day you wake up and suddenly it feels like you need a lot more insulin, then you'll know you were getting a little help for a while. But, uh, it seems like, it seems like she's not honeymooning based on her basal. I don't. I, I don't think we have experienced that, and I'm actually quite happy because it sounds nice, honeymoon. You know, I've had one when I got married, but um, from what I understand, it's just more that the pancreas randomly yeah. <laughs> wakes up, and it just makes things even more complicated. It's, it's difficult, and, that's for sure. It, when you bolus for something, and then you know, 20 minutes later, you realize you didn't need most of that because the pancreas was like, oh, I'll help this time. And uh, <laughs> you're like, well, great. Well, now all that insulin is in there. I don't know what to do. That's another unexpected thing. Like, it, it's complicated enough like this. So, yeah. so yeah, exactly. Man, well, I'm quite happy she doesn't have one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's complicated enough the way it is. You don't need to make it worse. Um, that, that's and enough. then she's a girl. So you have a girl. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> she has fluctuations around her menstrual cycle i would imagine oh yeah it, it makes a difference yeah it makes but, a difference oh yeah and but uh, and the summer makes a difference with, with and when school when there's school when there's no school when when there's an exam when whatever happens you have to adapt and and that's why i'm i mean i don't know how we could do that without the Dexcom, yes, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's just our favorite tool. Yeah, no kidding. And, Wait, uh, I see all those people who have problems with it. We don't. We we've never really. Well, the first twenty four hours kind of off, but we 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 don't prick fingers. Yeah. We 
we trust it and uh, maybe a little off, but uh, I'm like you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't so much care about the numbers where well, I do, but about the trends, about the, the arrows stability. Yeah. Staying, yeah. In, staying in a range. And I, I mean, she, she's really stable at night. So I guess basil is, is okay. Yeah. Well, for the night, um, I want to pump for, well, first, because she's fed up injecting herself, mm-hmm. which is understandable, but to be able to, to be more accurate and not just, uh, whatever's happening. Uh, I think she probably doesn't need the same little rate during the day, especially when at school than she does at night. Okay. It's pretty easy to, to, to fix. And, uh, we, we've got pens that blow for half units. So I'm being very accurate there. And, and, you know, we have, nice straight lines during the night sometimes during the day it's more difficult but then what i find the most difficult is the game i don't know how your daughter eats or whatever but mine is 16 years old and i mean if it's the weekend she's gonna wake up at whatever 12 one (laughs) yeah two sometime in the afternoon (laughs) is that the breakfast ratio or <laughs> lunch ratio no it's not it's, that's not the breakfast ratio just because it's the first meal of the day that's you know no, exactly yeah, yeah. So, and then during the week something different and um it's all over the so place so sometimes you just don't know what to do and it's yeah it's that and she likes to what she's done that before and she still does, you know, in the evening, she can watch. My, my daughter is really an evening, like, night person. I see. So she she's going to, you know, watch Netflix and eat. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, Greg, I think Netflix and streaming services made all kids night people. So yeah, well. <laughs> they're, they're little zombies in front of, in front of their screens. I, to be perfectly honest, I have to swat that thing away from my wife. Sometimes when we get in bed, I'm like, you're, you're going to stay up and look at that. And she's like, Oh, leave me alone. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's tough, but I, I take what you're saying. She's not on the same like kind of schedule right now. She's eating things at odd times. She sounds like she's doing a good job with it too. Oh yeah. She, she's, I mean, she's fighting. I mean, she's, she's really, um, as I said, and that's thanks to you. Um, oh. I I made her listen to the podcast, and I think it's more valuable than any books. Or and I, I love books, but <laughs> I understand. I mean, and all those testimonies, and um, and and my favorite one. And I, I when I first uh, joined you to be on the podcast, I wanted to have ask you many questions about Arden and uh, how she feels about podcasts and uh, may, many of those got answered by that <laughs> episode you had with her but uh, do you have yeah. any left do you have any questions left I'll try to answer well yeah well, yeah, what, what she feels about you know being like uh, the the perp well 
the purpose of, of the podcast obviously is explaining how insulin works and all that but but still it's still about her i mean it, you 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 made yourself a job out of that <laughs> you yeah then that wasn't the initial uh, goal i'm pretty right. sure but still that's what happens so i think well from what what i heard her talking she she doesn't care (laughs) that was gonna be my answer she she doesn't think of it that way and she doesn't care it's i i you know i've spoken to her privately when she's not trying to be entertaining and stuff although i don't want to give the impression that her episode is her putting on a a thing she was just you know probably a heightened version of herself but um I think she's happy that it helps people and she does not mind in any way, shape or form that we're talking about her circumstances at times. Um, But she doesn't have a big interest in it. As you would imagine, a 17 year old might not have a big interest in it. Um, Yeah. I don't think she's, I mean, I I shouldn't say I don't think she's not upset that it turned into what it's turned into. Um, she really has only ever balked about not looking like a baby on the internet. It's the only thing she's ever said was, please don't use pictures of me when I was younger. It's the only thing she's mm-hmm. ever cared about. Um, I think there was a time when maybe Omnipod reached out and asked for a photo of her. And she was like, I don't want to do that. And, and that was pretty much the end of it. It wasn't a big deal. She didn't say, you know, she didn't get upset. She's just like, I'd rather not do that. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it. She really is you know, for the most part, how she came off in that episode. She's, she's a fairly unaffected person. And, uh, you, you know, especially around this, this is not a big deal to her. I mean, I think she thinks it's nice. And I I even think she's happy um, that it turned into something. But it's it's not something that causes her one second of concern ever. Or or do I believe it's something that she ever thinks about? That's a good thing. One, one of the things I've been trying to... Uh, have my daughter do is reach out to people because she doesn't know anyone who has type one mm-hmm. around here. And, uh, you know, I'm saying it's doing okay, but I mean, she's been crying lately because she was giving herself insulin and just didn't work. And, uh, she just didn't know what to do anymore. So, you know, you know, it's all, it's not, always easy and especially as she more and more wants to do things on her own and she thinks she's understood it all um so so it's sometimes she's sad and she's kind of desperate and i think one of the things that uh would help her would be to be in contact with people and you know just shout, you know, I hate diabetes. You know, you, you can do that. I tell her she can do that. Yeah. But uh, so being in contact with, you know, teens, I mean, I, I'm her dad. I, I don't have diabetes, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can understand things, but I'm not, I don't live with it. I mean, and I could, I mean, if I, if I could, I would, I would take, and many parent, parents have probably said that before but if i could take it out of her and put it in me mm-hmm. i would do it 
Right. Um, I want to bring this and, up while you're talking about this. I have a note in front of me. I've had it written in front of me for a while now, and it's just an idea for the podcast. And it says, um, have someone on just to complain. I actually wrote down bitch session. So I think, <laughs> I, 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 that'd be after dark. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it would have to be. But I think that um, I keep wondering if it wouldn't be valuable to just let someone come on and just talk about the parts they hate. You know what I mean, and and because everybody mm-hmm. must everybody must feel the frustration that your daughter's feeling now, and it probably then ends up, you know, resonating with them in different ways. Some people sadness, sure. some people anger, etc. Um, I, I keep thinking like maybe it would be interesting to just let someone complain the whole time and just like just sit over here and cheer them on and and ask questions. You know, um, maybe you have several. Yeah, well, I, I I was afraid the entire podcast would turn into people just complaining, so I, I would just put it in here little bits at a time. I mean, I think it's really valuable to understand the detrimental sides and what they can be and, and how they might affect you, but I think it's more important to live with a with a positive attitude. You know, I, oh, sure. I was saying to someone recently that I talked to so many people who have illnesses And you can see them fall into these very specific categories. There are people who end up feeling put upon or sorry for themselves. And I'm not even saying that's a decision they make. It's just, it's their reaction. And then that colors their life. And you can see people, I mean, there's a woman on recently with cancer and type one, and she's just chosen to have as good of an attitude as she can on every day. And there, I've talked to both of those kinds of people and their lives are different because of that decision or that path. Maybe, maybe I don't know if you can make a decision to be positive if you're not feeling positive, but I I think it's worth trying, you know? So, but at the same time, like I said, all these, all these other issues are worth saying, I just wonder how funny it would be or valuable to put them all together in one place. So I don't know. I'll think about it. Maybe your daughter will come on and just complain for 45 minutes. (laughs) Well, I asked her if she wanted to be on, but, uh, not I yet. wouldn't imagine she would want to. No, I mean she's so new to this. Like you're, I would imagine that you're in an interesting situation where she's been diagnosed, um, you know, during COVID, which adds a layer, and then she's figuring out how to handle things. It's going pretty well, but now I imagine it's starting to hit her that this really isn't going to go away. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. This is, and we. You and me, we can only imagine that, you know, even if you got loads of experience, you, you still, you don't live with it. So, you know what, at some, at some point you you realize that, you know, you, this is just going to continue all the time. It's, I mean, I don't know what she would give for like, you know, 24 hours without it. Yeah. It's just a day without it and eat whatever she wants and she eats whatever she wants but you know without thinking about it not having to think about it and uh not having alarms on her phone all the time and uh all that stuff so yeah i you know you're making me think one day i should interview a, a older parent of a type one who's been disconnected from diabetes for some time i'd love to maybe i would love to hear that ex because you you just said like you and i can't imagine um, but I do think about it sometimes. I do think about 
what'll happen 10 years from now when Arden's 27 and I don't think about diabetes for three days. And then I realize she's been thinking about it for three days. You know, mm -hmm. like, how's that going to, I, I, I'm assuming that's not going to feel good. Uh, but you're I, gonna be worried all the time. I really <laughs> don't. Want, sure. I don't want to like. I I, I don't want to live that way. You you know because no sure but yeah but when you're when you're parents you, you worry about your children and uh, especially when you have a type one. So I don't know. Well, I guess you get used to it like everything else. But when my daughter leaves this house and does it on her own and you know at some point i probably won't have won't be following her i don't know right. uh, at some point you know she she'll just deal with it on her own and um at some point she probably won't want me to follow her and you know even now she's she, as i told you she she wants to take care of itself by her on her own mm -hmm. and um so i usually wait for before i go see her in a room you know when it's climbing and say well you know <laughs> i got hurt but adam's low enough that she should react before and she doesn't always do so so at some point you know i just can't yeah, let him, wait let anymore. When I go there, I usually get a load of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I'm high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, how come you're high? I mean, why didn't you react before? And when you go high, then you go low, and then it's just a roller coaster. And she knows all that, but you know, no, I so understand. It's the, the balance between, you know, me acting, me being involved and letting her go and be a teenager. And, but at some point, I just can't refrain from going there and acting because, and yeah, like, like when she was diagnosed, you know, as I said, they, th those were just numbers for her. She's starting to think about, you know, possible consequences and um but still it's she's 17 i mean even, even though she's type one she's like any 17 she's immortal you know yeah. <laughs> in her mind you know she's she, she doesn't really see what what can happen if if there's bad control and she has good control but you know still when sometimes when it's three too high i mean it hurts me <laughs> to see it so i understand i can't refrain from going to see her well we're doing the same thing with arden right now um i know the the one of the you know one of the things about the podcast that might be hard to remember sometimes is that when you're listening to me you know i'm six months ahead of you all the time so you so you're you're kind of hearing things a, a little slower for the most part but you know for the last year or so you know, Arden's been taking more and more uh, care of herself, more control, being more autonomous, and all the same things exist. You know, I, I stand outside of her door and you think like, 
uh, God, like what if she took care of this, you know, and now I'm going to go in here and check on her needlessly and you wait for her to hear, you know, to, to take action. Um, but she's, you know, when she, but she has to, like, I really do think she has to go through it all and better for it to happen now while we're around than for her to start experimenting when she's at college. So, mm. you know, let her find out what happens when you don't pre Um, right now she's been learning about what a, what a site looks like, a pump site looks like when it goes bad. And so, you know, I've let a couple of bad pump sites run for 10 hours sometimes so that she can see that all the extra bolusing she's doing is because the site's not working well. Um, you know, cause she's going to need to, see, that's a very common thing for people using all insulin pumps. And you need to, you need to know what it looks like when that site stops being, um, you know, as valuable as it, as it had been in the past. So she's not going to learn it if she doesn't see it. And it does hurt me to see the blood sugars, but at the same time, I think it would be worse if it was happening and she wasn't here. So I'm just trying to like let her have as many experiences as she can have. And then, like you said, step in at an appropriate time. If things are really, you know, upside down, then okay, well, you know, I'll step in. I'll go, okay. I, I said it to her once. I'm like, I've been trying to tell you for a couple of hours now, this site's not good. We're going to change your pump now and you're going to see how this is all going to settle down. And then when it did, she got to see cause and effect and resolution. And and I I think she'll remember after she sees it a few more times. That's pretty much all you can do. I guess it's a transition, but sometimes you it's hard to see how it will work. So because one of the things we have, I don't know about your daughter, but one of the things with teenagers is, as I said, she she doesn't go to bed until very, very late. But when she does, nothing will wake her. Will wake her up. Mm. So, so I get the alarms, and I'm the one at night. Oh my, my wife, who you know, who and uh, a juice box, and I know you've done that loads of times. And um, you know, sometimes she goes sleep at some friends, and uh, I mean, at some point, I had to wake the mother up. Because I was calling, you know, I knew there were alarms on my daughter's phone, and uh, I tried to call her. And I knew the phone was ringing, and she, she didn't know. So I had to wake the mother up, and luckily she 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 heard it. And uh, we we haven't had bad lows. I mean, sometimes she gets lows, but. And and again, you know, normally at night she she goes to bed and and it would just stay stable. But then as she eats yeah, and does whatever at morning. different times, <laughs> you know, sometimes she's going to do a correction and then go to bed. That's where she could <laughs> she can get low. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise it would be it would be okay. But you know, and. Uh, it's okay she's bold with insulin, but, you know, sometimes she's bold, but not by thinking exactly what, you know. Well, you bring- if you do a correction and then go to bed, maybe you can do a correction and make sure you catch it before going to bed. You know? Yeah, that's a, a theme here right now is that I'm, I'm trying to get through to Arden that you make a decision with insulin, that's great, but then you have to check in on it. And make sure exactly. make sure that it's going the way you expect. I think it would it's difficult for them to understand that if they have a snack at midnight and make a bolus, that you're aware of that 
and paying attention to it at two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, they don't know that's happening. And also, they're not going to be successful if they don't look back in on it. You can't just bolus and forget it and try to look back four hours later. It's just not going to work that way. You're going to, you know, if you if you miss on carbs, you're going to be high. And then, you know, then you get caught in the cycle of fighting with the high and everything like that. So that is really one of the things I'm working on right now. It's like, okay, you ate this thing. That's cool. You made a bolus. It's pretty close. You know, we think it's going to be close. That's great. 45 minutes from now, go look. Is it trending in the wrong direction? If so, it's an inflection point. We need to make another decision. You know, hour and a half, I like to look again, you know, et cetera. Like you, I'm not saying stare well, at your you CGM. got the Dexcom to use it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not saying stare at the thing for four hours every time you eat. I'm saying um, there are there are waypoints where you can check in that are valuable. So that's, I'm, yeah, so I'm trying to get that through to her right now. So that'll probably take me the rest of the year. Uh, and I do really believe in the, you know, stop the arrows thing. Like, yeah, at some point you got a trend that is going down or up and you just need a little something to stop the trend. And there's some sort of, you know, I don't know how to say that, you know, the trend will continue kind of and, until you stop it sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get some sort of a drift or a rise and they're just not going. Sometimes you can ride them like a a drift down. You know, sometimes you just go, oh, good. This is great. It's going to get me where I want to be. And then I just have to bump it up and keep it level after that. But those constant climbs that are just consistent and unrelenting, you know, 110, 115, 125, and it's, you know, and you're just climbing, like, it's not shooting up, but it's just on that long, uh, steep path, those you have to get ahead of. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes you feel like, you know, if you don't do anything, it will just continue like this. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, forever, it feels like sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know, know. climbing a mountain or something. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I wanted to say something. This is going back quite a ways in the conversation. And you just offhandedly said, I love Dexcom, but I know I see some people online have problems. We don't have problems. I I used to respond to that statement differently before Dexcom was a sponsor than I do now. Um, I still have the same answer, but I get afraid that I sound like I'm apologizing for something because they sponsor the show. But that's, yeah. not, that's not the case. That What I think is, is that this technology is absolutely bleeding edge technology for helping people with type one diabetes. People use insulin in general, right? Um, Is it perfect? It is not. Does it work way better for some people and not for others? Maybe, but not on the level that the internet would make it seem is my contention. So, you know, what I usually say is people don't go to the internet to tell you something good's happening. So if there's you know, I don't know. Uh, if, if you, got yeah, a- you, you just see complaints and people having problems. People who don't have problems will not yeah. comment. Usually. Yeah, right. So th- the problem, the problem with online can be that you know, if a hundred thousand people are driving a certain car and four of them had a door fall off and they all get online and start talking about it, you feel like the door falls off the car, and you know, it's that's not how it is. Um, I can I can give you another example. Yeah. It's pretty much the same. I'm a city councilor, which is uh, so I'm into politics, and uh, we get 
a share of people who call me at home to complain or share of people who always, you know, they've got goals and they're fighting and they, they, they think we're all just not good and all that. But the vast majority of people, they, they're quite happy with what we do and they just don't say it. You know, you just hear the people complaining. Right. And you don't want to govern a city or country or whatever just um, based on the, towards, yeah, the, to, based on the few people, people who yeah. are always complaining or have their own agendas or whatever. So you have, because most of the people are happy. And if you just hear the people yell the most, well, then you you won't be doing good things because that's not what the vast majority of people want. So it's pretty much the same. You, people, some people, and I guess some people have problems. There's many different bodies and all that, and it's probably hard to have a product that works for everyone. Right. You know, some people and, are sweating more, whatever. And that's but then you have to help yourself as well, and you know, choose different sites, choose different way of inserting it, and you know, document yourself and uh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, and it's not to discount anyone's feelings or their or their experiences. I'm, you know, and you know, using Dexcom as an example because we started like I know they're 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 working on different adhesives right now, trying to make the adhesives better and better and better. But you could go online and see somebody who suffers from a medical adhesive rash and think, oh God, look what that does to people. And then, you know, 10 or 50, I mean, Jesus, if 300 people came in and said, I have an adhesive rash too, that would be horrible. And it is specifically horrible for them. It doesn't discount the fact that there are many, many more times people who have no no reaction to those adhesives whatsoever. I think most people don't. And, and, uh, and we don't, I mean, we've been using it since January, I think. Yeah. I mean, we never had one come off. We never had one got stuck because we don't press on the skin, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it might happen, I know, but uh, we, yeah, as I said, we just have initially for the first hours, it's it's a bit off. But, uh, you know, another thing you taught me was, you know, what you think is supposed to happen probably will happen <laughs> so i'm not too worried at the beginning you know usually the first night you, you could be walking up in the night because it goes up and down until it settles and um but you know yeah. she hasn't been eating more than another day she hasn't shot herself with twice as much insulin so even if you know, even for the few hours that it's warming up, I'm not worried. I mean, I'm not checking her her fingers all the time to see what's going on because I pretty much know what's going on. Yeah. No, we just There's didn't. no reason why it should be different than when she has the decks come on. So just, right. uh, just things you say, trust yourself and, you know, whatever's supposed to happen will happen. It's, 
It's no magic. <laughs> Craig, I'm pretty uh, happy that the podcast has been helpful for you. Thank you. You taught me many things, Mike. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Well, um, <laughs> I uh, if only this was decades ago, I could have met you and you could have helped me with my French. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's too late now. I spent three years in an American high school taking French. And all oh, yeah? I, all I can tell you with confidence, Greg, is that Nuf means nine. And I don't think that that's a grand um, a, a celebration. I, I think I should have come away with more than that. <laughs> so uh, It's okay. Yeah, I, I just never, I would sit there and just like, I am like not following this. I, I'm not getting any of it. Uh, I don't think the way we teach language to people is, uh, maybe back then was, was so great. But yeah, I, I, that is all I have confidence in is, is how to say nine. And I'm sure my accent. There's only way, one way to learn a language is to go to the country and be totally immersed and don't have the choice. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. how I did it. Uh, as I said, I was born in France. I went to England starting the age of 14. And uh, by, back then, you know, it was okay to drink when you were 14. <laughs> so <laughs> so well, I went to pubs and, you know, after a few pints of, uh, of uh, beer you, you get fluent for some reason <laughs> so, you, know, <laughs> you can speak another language all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and uh, i went mostly to northern england and you know they, they've got some weird accents over there england is weird you know people can almost say someone's address from the way they talk mm -hmm. so it, it they, they've got very broad and weird accents and i went and uh, first time I went there was in Sheffield, Yorkshire. Then I uh, went to uh, many times where I almost have an adopted family there in uh, Durham, which is south of Newcastle, so in the northeast. And it's not even English. It's it's called Geordie. It's a it's a dialect, really. It's mm -hmm. it's crazy. I mean, you probably yourself probably wouldn't understand what they're saying. Yeah. And, and then I went to Birmingham, which is weird too. And that's where I met my wife, who's French too, by the way. But so I went to many places where they, they, they got weird way of talking. So that's why my accent is totally yeah. <laughs> makes of French and Northern England and Canadian, I guess. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, we talk French all the time here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, my my uh, brother-in-law is from Scotland, and I just stare at him and nod. I don't know what the hell he's talking about half the time. So it just sounds to <laughs> me like it's like some rumbles, then I, and then rumbles, and then yeah, like you know, just loud noises, low rumbles, loud noises, and I just I look, I'm like yeah, 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 yeah. but I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> so, but I know, I know you're interested in accents because you ask people a lot of times. What it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, no, I love trying to figure <laughs> out where people are from and. And it's just interesting. Like you've said a couple of words today that you that I I, can't, I think continue was actually one of them that I I had to take the next five seconds to understand that you said continue. But then I understand yeah, everything well, else. No, no, don't be sorry. It's 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 interesting. I, I'm I, doing my best. Like, I, I don't practice enough. I I used to be better. Right. But uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of uh, disappointed though because I live in Canada. Well, in Quebec, and uh, you didn't ask me about moves or 
<laughs> you well, usually do. That's not your fault. I just recorded with somebody from Canada recently. So I guess to have a little look into my mind, I consciously thought I just ask somebody if they ride a moose to work. I don't want to do it again <laughs> because then there'll be two episodes that are kind of close to each other where I've made the same no, bad joke. Well, <laughs> I ride I ride a school bus to work because it's my job. So but uh mind you uh we do ha- see a lot of moose these days mostly in the back of uh, pickup trucks because it's hunting season. Okay. <laughs> and, and in my region there there are many of them. So Yeah. Were you there? Were you in Quebec when uh, Pavel Bore was there? When who? Do you do you watch hockey? Do you do you do much? Do you watch? Oh hockey? yeah, yeah. Um, when Pavel Bore was in Vancouver, did were you in Canada then? When was that? Oh, it's got to be like twenty five years ago now. I'm really showing. No, my I, age. I, I uh, well, I arrived twenty four years ago. I mostly follow uh, junior though because. Where I live, we have, uh, I can say it, I mean, Rimouski, Rimouski, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a, a junior team, so about, about 16 to 20 years old. Okay. And uh, we've had, uh, it's a great team. We've had some of the best players that ended up in the uh, NH. So we've had Sidney Crosby, we've had uh, Vincent Le Cavalier, and uh, lately we've had uh, Alexis Lafreniere, who's now in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's a lot of fun because I, I used to live in Montreal where, well, as Canadians, we're not doing that good. I mean, yeah. they did the series this year because, well, thanks to COVID, otherwise they wouldn't have made it. Um, but, and I've been, as a school bus driver, sometimes I, I do charters and I've been um, traveling a lot with uh, hockey teams, you know. Okay. Young, you know. Yeah. And, um, but I think watching, it, it's a lot cheaper first and watching, you know, 16 years old to 20 years old playing hockey and, you know, they really want it. They want to be in the end of the jail. So I know it's, uh, and there are there's a lot more action to it. It's uh, so so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I when I was younger, we watched so much hockey, uh, my brother and I. But I just I, I'm now realizing. So I looked. Pavel Bory is my age. He's fifty, um, and he played from eighty seven to two thousand three. He was a Russian player who played in uh, Vancouver. But one late night, I was up watching a West Coast a West Coast game, and he took a he he. He got a, a nice breakaway and he came up on the net and went one way. The The goalie went with him, sold out, and then he put on the brakes, pirouetted, and you realized he left the puck in front of the net on purpose. So he just stopped the puck dead, moved to one side. The goalie dove. He spun three, you know, almost 360 degrees and just tapped the puck in. And it was one of the more magical things I've ever seen in my life. So uh, just, he always pops in my head as being just like a really flashy, fun player to watch when he was younger. Um, but, but anyway, I, I mean, I, I could ask you if there's a polar bear in your backyard, but I just assume there is. Um, no, there's no polar bear. No polar we're, we're not that north. 
<laughs> you but live- we do we do get a lot of snow though. We get probably about fifteen feet yeah. of snow per winter, and it doesn't melt. I mean, starting from from November, December, it just stays there until beginning of May, which might sound scary. I think you don't really like cold, but no, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I would imagine it's beautiful. Like it. it is, and pretty. these days, I mean, the colors are amazing. It's yeah. uh, it's sunny and it's. And your area is very French Canadian, where you are. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're we're in East Quebec, like, like close to the Gaspé Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's well, there are a few English speaking people, but not much. So does yeah, it, French it, Canadian. Does it feel like a lot of small countries in one country? Or you mean Canada? Yeah, or? like do you feel Canadian or do you feel French Canadian? I guess, or like how do you think of it? Or do you feel French oh. living in Canada? Oh yeah, French Canadian totally. Yeah. Well, you know the, the the history about it. You know, we were supposed to make a country out of it. it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But we we are very different, I guess, from the rest of Canada. Um, I mean, culturally. In many ways, it's a, it's a different country. I see, but probably like like the U.S. I mean, I, I don't want to hurt people's feelings here, but I've got a theory that you know civilization lies close to the sea. <laughs> so I'd say in the U.S. it's mostly East Coast and West Coast, and the Middle is a bit different. And I say. Canada is about the same. The same land landlocked places feel different than than coastal areas. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh. And <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm sure, nice people everywhere. I'm sure people in Manitoba and Saskatchewan don't want to live in Quebec. So I think they're you're not hurting their feelings at all. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Maybe they would want. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's very funny. Uh, is there? I I just know that I'm a happier person because I know that the word Saskatchewan exists. But other than that, um, I don't know a ton about the center of the country. We did just do a, a what I thought was a really good episode about Manitoba healthcare um, that mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed. Um, but you're but but it's it's got a different flavor there, I guess, from where you are. Well, I don't know much about it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I've been to Quebec, Ontario, and and uh, British Columbia, okay, mostly. But but speaking about healthcare, uh, I, I don't even know how it works in Manitoba. Uh, all I know here in Quebec, and many people in the U.S. would probably find that socialist or even communist or whatever. But when we go to the hospital, we don't pay anything, and it's not perfect. But most most of our supplies uh, are partly paid for by either private insurance or the government. I see. You, you, you always get something. Right. But when you go see a doctor, when you go see, when you go to the hospital, you don't pay anything. And I don't, I don't know how I would do it otherwise. I mean, just a week in the hospital when my daughter was diagnosed, you know, with a stay in ICU and all that, that must cost fortune right. in, in the u.s i guess yeah Some without without health insurance, insurance yeah without health insurance here you are you're in a in a dire situation that's for sure and i do believe too that 
healthcare um, is better or worse depending on the area. I mean, I, I think there's just there can be no argument in my mind that the the less money you have in America, it, it, your healthcare is going to maybe follow that same trend. So it, yeah, and it definitely shouldn't be like that. And when I hear stories about people who hardly can afford insulin, I mean, that makes me so sad. I mean, that that just shouldn't happen. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. I mean, it's it's the basis of, of it all. I mean, right? Okay, and I mean, everyone, everybody should be allowed to have a Dexcom, at least. Right. Uh, no, I agree. With that. You. I really do. I, really do. I mean, okay. it seems like basic way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like basic. It, it seems like basic decency to me. I mean, it's you know, just to give somebody the the those tools, they exist. You know, it's it's hard to know that they exist, and some people can have them, and some people can't, and that that's going to impact their short and long term health. Is it feels criminal? You know, it's terrible. Yeah, and then the the, the other thing is that when you think about it. Um, it, well, if you don't have that, you will probably have complications that will get worse and will cost more money eventually to the government. I mean, if you lose a leg or if you lose eyesight, or if you have to be on dialysis because, uh, you lose your kidneys, that's going to cost more money than just paying for a CGM. I, I you know? Yeah, I don't understand why preventative isn't a bigger focus. Um, and uh, and it's not perfect here. Like sure. My girl, she's 17, so we have to hurry to get her on a pump because if she starts having a pump before 18, it's paid for by the government, mm-hmm. and then it's going to stay like that for the rest of your life. But if you're diagnosed at 18 and a half, then, well, it's going to be yours to pay. That's so a weird. I don't see the difference between, you know, a child and an adult. I mean, you'll have that for the rest of your life. So right. why should there be a discrimination against age? I don't really understand. What it sounds like to me is that the government that made that decision did not want to look callous towards children, but they also don't want to pay for people's insulin pumps. So, exactly. Yeah, right. So and it does cost a lot of money. But again, I think that it will cost more money in the long term. But as I said, the, the hospital and everything is free. So if if you have to go every three days because your kidneys don't work, if you have to go every three days to the hospital, well, then it's going to cost them more money. Yeah, you would think that's like short term, short term view, really. And even if it doesn't cost that much more or less, where's the value on health and happiness instead of, you know, well, we'll just let whatever happens happens and then we'll make them comfortable at the end. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a backwards way of thinking about things. Yeah. That's kind of sad, but but I'm, I'm happy that we are here because we can easily afford to, you know, give her good treatment and, uh, no, I'm happy for you that you have it. I really am. I'm excited that to think that she's uh, getting a pump, and uh, I think it's going to make your life uh, even that much easier. Can I ask, Greg? 
Is there anything that yeah. we is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Because I'm up on a schedule problem today and I can't linger. So I, I want to make sure I get to everything that Yeah, that's perfect. Well, I don't know. Well we'll still um uh thinking well initially I was uh, really into the omnipod mm-hmm. and I probably still am. Uh so we're still thinking I'm trying to have my daughter read and well figure it out by herself what she wants but uh between the omnipod and the uh tandem uh t-slim yeah or the control iq i know have you have you tried that yeah i know you've been on the omnipod. she's been on the omnipod yeah i haven't we haven't used the control iq um i am i've interviewed a couple of people who have and i'm looking for more who really can like talk about it in a real specifically you know positive not positive but helpful way um, and, uh, we're 100% going to try Omnipod five when it's available. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So we're going to give that a whirl and see how that goes. And, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's bleeding edge stuff for people using insulin. So I want to know what it is. And at the very least, I want to know what it is for the podcast. You know, even if Arden uses Omnipod five and, and then decides to do something different, I still want to, I still want to understand it. And, um, that so I have an uh, we have an opportunity there where I can't just switch her to control IQ to try it and then you know so I I have to rely on having other people on to talk about that. Well, I think I'll let my daughter choose anyway. Yeah, if she might do read and you know instruct herself. Um, I think it's not. I mean, having to do it by yourself is not too bad. I mean, actually, I think it's good. You know, control IQ is probably a great thing. But then I prefer to have my hands on the wheel, you know, like uh, maybe because I I used to be uh, in computer science and uh, I'm not sure I trust developers that much. (laughs) Well, listen, Arden does use an algorithm now and I mean, it works amazingly well and you still are. It's not set it and forget it. You, You are still involved with it. Uh, just in slightly different ways, but to be honest, same, same concepts, slightly different tools, maybe, you know what I mean? But it's, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same. I mean, you're, you're still in the same ballpark, I guess. It's not a, it's not a completely different game. Well, anyway, we, I think we, we have everything to learn about pumps. It's just another step that we're going to make. Yeah. So. Okay. It's, well, Greg, I, I, I don't mean to cut you short. I'm having a good time. I just, I'm having to be actually happy to stop the recording. Hold on a second and uh, tell you, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. So to thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Us. It was great. I hope people can understand me. <laughs> they had, well, here's what I've learned for me, at least. It takes a, a few minutes in the beginning and you just stop thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, I understood you fine the entire time we were talking, but it just, there's that couple, like I just interviewed somebody recently from Iran and um, I think the episode's up and it, you know, I have to be honest, like a couple of minutes into it, it it, it took me some time and then I, and then I was able, and then I heard her perfectly. And so I think, I think you'll be absolutely fine. First, I'd like to thank Greg for coming on the show and sharing his story. And then I want to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org and find them on Facebook and Instagram. I also want to thank Omnipod. 
makers of the Omnipod Dash. Head over now to find out if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. It's omnipod.com forward slash juice box. For full safety, risk information, and free trial terms and conditions, you can also visit omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Isn't that convenient? It's all at the same place. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening in a podcast app right now, please subscribe or follow. If you're in the Apple Podcast app, just hit follow. Just follow the show. I mean, you can also turn on auto downloads if you want, which I would really appreciate. But following the show is a big deal. Same thing in Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever app you're in, hit follow or subscribe, whatever your specific app allows for. They basically mean the same thing, follow and subscribe. All right, that would really be a big help to me. I appreciate it. I'm going to go now. I hope you have a good day.